Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Throughout our show, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Heather McNair. I'm Alex Mastriani, and we're happy you're here. Hey, Heather, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you, Alex? Great. I'm so excited to be here today for our first podcast episode. This is a long time coming and even more thrilled that we're talking about virtual events, a really hot topic right now. In 2020, in-person events, as we know, came to an abrupt halt. Conference rooms were closed and exhibit halls were quickly exchanged for computer screens. I'm sure you attended a virtual event or two last year. But the way that you ran virtual events in early 2020 should not be the same way that you run them in 2021. Yeah, I'm sure we all attended many virtual events in <laughs> 2020. Uh, and uh, we've been hearing from many of you this year that you're approaching your events with purpose this year. The scramble we all had to do last year is in the rearview mirror. This year, we have time to actually set strategy. So we've gathered a few experts who pulled off successful virtual events in 2020, and they're going to share some of their experiences navigating through those events and talk about what worked and what didn't work so well for them. HireLogic's own Jeff Brunsbach is here to moderate with us. Along with three customers, we have Tirza Austin, Online Community Manager at American Society of Civil Engineers, Chris Stetzel, he's the former Global Enterprise Community Manager at Imperva, now with Reltio, and Brett Wangman, President at the Center for Association Growth. All right, Jeff, over to you. Awesome. I'm Jeff Brunsbach. I'm the Director of Customer Experience and Education at Higher Logic. Uh, I am actually also a co-founder and, and I'm actually a community manager myself uh, of a customer success leadership community called uh, Gain, Grow, Retain, uh, which we started. Uh, I started with my business partner earlier this year. Um, so I've got kind of a unique position there. Um, without further ado, I'm going to kick it um, first with a question. And Chris, maybe let's jump in with you. Um, but I think, you know, how might you look to integrate your virtual events within your within your tech stack? So, uh, Chris, you know, from your perspective, were there any other considerations that you had to take in as you started thinking about webinars and other virtual events that you were hosting for Imperva? Yeah, so let me just give a quick background just because it might, might help. And I did think about this question a lot because uh, back in March is basically when we started our virtual webinar program. And we eventually, over the, the several months, we kind of put it into four buckets, kind of an AMA webinar, a product deep dive webinar. We have 16 to 18 different products. Um, also kind of a roadmap webinar and a new product webinar, you know, virtual webinar. So we kind of broke it down into four pieces. And as I kind of looked at, uh, like you said, the technologies, uh, there's, you know, Higher Logic has this really great add-on. It's on the events management side to where you can invite somebody directly or an entire community directly uh, to a particular webinar and they get an invite on their calendar. They can accept, you go in the back end, you can see if they, you can see who RSVP'd and who canceled and, and those kinds of things. So it's pretty cool uh, when when you do that. The other piece though is, you know, you could put a, a, a link to like Zoom or, or things like that. The hard part about that is uh, you have to manually go into uh uh, the webinar to see who actually attended. So you, in the back end, you can say check mark yes, no, yes, no. So maybe take a picture of those kinds of things. What I would like to do is 
two things from a, in a uh, from integration standpoint. We we use um, uh, Gainsight as one of our main uh, customer success tools, and so it'd be really nice to kind of look at that piece and and say you know integrate the events management piece into uh, um, the uh, into Gainsight so we can get uh, uh, some more information about our customers, and then additionally there's uh, an advocacy type of uh, add-on that uh, that that HireLogic has that that tells you you know these customers did these things and so they get they should get these points and so I think integrations into those kinds of things would be really cool and, and something that I would be looking at for 2021 uh, so that I don't have to manually go and do all this stuff <laughs> right you know and, yeah. and it's just it's it it's a time suck you know but there's all these technologies doing all these things and so you know. The nice thing about the platform is is that you know it has APIs to where you can really integrate you know specifically in that stuff. So, yeah. So it sounds though like you're um, you know the big thing for you is just trying to make sure how can you understand who's attending events, which events they're attending, making sure you can kind of map that back into some of the contact records that you have. And then I think the last part you mentioned, which was something that hopefully um, we'll dive into a little bit later on as well around kind of the gamification. So how are we actually kind of giving yep. points? How are we um, you know, helping people understand kind of where they are and, and what they're um, doing and how that kind of ladders up into, um, you know, becoming a more active member of the the larger community that they're in. So um, that's great. Uh, Brett, is there anything that comes to mind for you when you think about kind of uh, technology and, and layering some of these things on for um, a number of your customers? Yeah. So for our biggest customer in the hospital uh, medical space, um, when we canceled their annual conference, we, you know, we like everybody else, we started looking at all these other platforms are out there, but then we kind of took a hard stop and said, listen, we're just going to do a small approach here, do a run a, a variety of small events and see if we can't learn along the way. And we wanted to build as much as we could on the higher logic platform because we had just spent several years trying to get away from silo sites. So um, we use higher logic and then we also had uh, NOAA as our AMS. And then we had a lot of experience using GoToWebinar. So we decided that Biggie size our registrar list uh, or our capacity on GoToWebinar to get it up to 500 attendees. But now I'm kind of stuck. That's my technology platform there. And in our first event, we just allowed you to, when a member came in, they saw a link and it would send them over to GoToWebinar. And we wouldn't make them register through the AMS. The problem is then we couldn't really track you and associate you with the event on the higher logic side. So then we switched for event number two to make them go through the AMS. When we bring them back to the higher logic, then we recognize they're in a security group. Now we show them a register button or a sign-in button that takes them over to go to webinar. They still have to fill out the go to webinar form though. Sounds like a lot of you don't use GoToWebinar. Good for you, uh, because it doesn't seem to have a lot of integration options. So what I've been looking at is try to figure out, can we integrate GoToWebinar with NOAA? Can we integrate GoToWebinar with uh, with HireLogic so that once you do register, you get put into the session and you don't have to go there a second time? Because it's really important that we do get you registered and associated with the event community because that's how we track what pages you're going to, whether you're visiting our sponsors, and then for our sponsors, where we can actually see whether you're downloading any of their uh, promotional materials from the resource library. So we need to get you logged in, but creating, making you getting logged in is causing other problems down the line. So that's what we're trying to solve right uh, in the short term. 
Yeah. Um, that makes a, a ton of sense. And I think the two big takeaways there, uh, for me too, is just the, how important it is to try and, and make sure that the technologies are all talking to one another. I think, you know, before even taking some of the larger steps, just how do we make sure these are all synced up so that we can get the right information into the right place. Um, and I love the example you gave of, you know, we actually have a community dedicated towards the event. And so if we don't get, you know, users and members in there, then, um, like that's kind of a, you know, a fault. So like we need to make sure that we're engaging them beyond just the virtual event itself. And that's a, a way for us to do that. Uh, the second thing, which I think uh, was a little bit smaller that you mentioned, but I take away as a, a big thing is just the um, surveying and trying to get feedback and trying to iterate as we go. You know, you mentioned kind of having the first meeting and then iterating to the second one um, and kind of changing, you know, one of the things for our Gain Grow Team community that uh, my business partner, Jay, Jay and I did is we surveyed after every single session that we held. Um, we did a weekly meeting and we've actually had a weekly meeting going for 30 something weeks now. Um, and the, one of the things that I think actually helped us in that environment, though, of why people, I don't know if they believed us or not, but um, when, when we actually surveyed, what we did, the first thing we did the next week was we actually brought up the survey results and we said, here's what you just told us from last week. You did not enjoy this. You enjoyed this. Here's how we're adapting today's session. Here's what the changes that we're going to make. But we did that for consistently for about six to eight weeks so that people knew if they were actually going to fill out, they were going to take the time to fill out the survey. We were actually going to listen to that feedback and use it. Um, sometimes I think people, you know, oftentimes just write off surveys because they're like, Hey, if I fill this out, are you actually going to read it? Um, so that was a way for us to just bring some authenticity back into that. But I think similar to your point, Brett, we just tried to figure out how do we iterate as we go, um, so that we can make sure and just make as much value for the member, uh, at the end of the day was our big goal. So, um, I like that, uh, Terza, let's maybe jump to the next question. Um, I think you're going to have maybe a lot of ideas around this, but um, how did you see kind of virtual events helping to fuel other parts of uh, your content? So, you know, you might have a virtual event, but then what were you doing with that content afterwards? Like, how did you actually think about maybe the attendees that didn't show up? Like, how are you kind of getting the word out afterwards of um, kind of using that content to your advantage? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. Um, so I actually work within our communications team, but I am our community manager and that's that's what I do. I, I do all the community content and we actually started our virtual events from an idea from the topic moderators that we have. So essentially we have a brainstorming session with our topic moderators, um, which are the most active users in our, in our community. And, you know, actually before the official shutdown, I think it happened on a Monday, right? Where like pretty much the world came crashing down. We had a meeting on Thursday and I said, hey, I'd really like to do this um, as more of like a supportive call during the pandemic. And the group said, you know what? That's a great idea, but you know, we can't just like have a willy nilly call and just have people talking. Like it needs to be topic based and we can do it this way. And so they had a bunch of ideas. So the community actually drove the content, right? Like with our virtual calls, like they were the ones that came up with the topics. They're the ones that had the ideas for the panelists. But at the same time, some of those questions or topics that came up within the virtual events, we then started discussions within our online community. Or I jotted, you know, there's been a lot of great feedback on this topic. You know, maybe that's a possible blog in the future. And it's really important to pay attention to your members that are participating in some of these conversations because they want to talk and they have things to say. And 
they're experts, right? In, in the fields that they're in. And you can say, hey, I really appreciate that comment that you had. I'd really like you to write about this topic and we can share it out within our community. So it's this idea that content or content creates more content. And it's really trying to bring in and engage members because if I get you to write a blog and then you share it on your social, not only am I infiltrating your social network, which I want to do, um, but also because you wrote for the society, you feel engaged more, like you feel proud of being a part of that organization. So we even have blogs that, um, you know, we've had members that have written their younger members too, right? They're in their early 20s and we'll publish those blogs. We'll repurpose them within our, our magazine. So it's in an actual print magazine that's been around for, you know, it's a pretty esteemed magazine within our members. And they're so excited as a 20 year old to be able to publish some of these blogs. And so they take a picture of themselves with the, with their article and they share it out on social. And it's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about, right. Is engaging membership. And that's what content should be about. So um, hopefully I'm sorry, that was a very long winded answer, but I can be excited about that question. It was great. No, I think um, the more you can make the member the center of the spotlight, right, the more we can actually help them build their own personal brand, so to speak, then um, they're more willing to share. So, um, you know, how do you get them to write a blog? How do you get them involved in um, doing things like best practices or um, thinking about, you know, toolkits or other other presentations that you have going on? Anything that you can do to, uh, to help do that? I think we've we've noticed a very similar trend where then you're more likely to share it. You're more proud of it. You want people to know. So um, it's like this way of kind of building a network effect uh, that you can hopefully latch onto. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, Chris, I'm curious from your perspective, kind of similar question. You you mentioned, you know, taking a big dive into this webinar series that you're doing. Is there, are you envisioning other ways to kind of take this content and, and use it to your advantage in different parts of the community or business or external for customers? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we did is, uh, when I started these webinar programs, which uh, for the last four months, we've had one every single week for one we- or one webinar every week. And then my goal was because I'm the only person uh, running community at Imperva, you know, it's, it's like I need to accomplish four, four or five things at one time. Right. And so the nice thing about these webinars, because a lot of these webinars were deep dive webinars into our products because they're very, you know, uh, uh, very complex and everything else. And so our customers have issues with them and nobody, Perp has been around for 20 years and we don't really have any great content on how to do this and how to do that, you know, the simple stuff. So what I said, what, what I thought was I could actually get, you know, uh, create a webinar and get engagement. I could start creating blogs. I could start creating videos uh, and, and long videos. And I cut those videos into four or five, you know, to where it would be like very, it's, you know, consumable. And so that's what I did is I got access to my YouTube channel and then started posting that stuff on YouTube. If you went to Imperva's YouTube today, you would see like 40 plus webinars plus, you know, uh, um, videos. I embed those into a blog. I'd, I'd go to Upwork, I'd go to Upwork.com, spend $100 on a blog, have a blog every single week on, you know, I'd have four blogs on one webinar. You know, that's probably a thousand or 1200 words and post it on the community directly. So every week I would have those blogs and then I would embed all that stuff there. Then I would create how-to kind of, uh, or, or questions that came, Q&A that came directly from the webinars. And so I have question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, and then create these pages on uh, Imperva as a community. 
uh, and and then you know our community is open, so it's a so we're a software company. So uh, my goal is 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 focused on SEO strategy. So when a customer searches for a product question, they get the answer quickly. Because I, I would tell people if you don't have that answer to your product, you know when people search on Google because that's where everybody in the world searches, then you lose, right? And yeah. so that's what I tried to create. And of this last year, it was just. Content, content, content. So content is queen. And, and if you don't see it that way, you know, engaging content is queen. And, and so if you don't see it that way, then you lose is, is how I see it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the name of the game too, just like you mentioned, is thinking about how can I leverage one thing into five different things? Um, yeah. How can I take a webinar, chop it up into videos? Um, then how can I also take that into a blog? How can I then, you know, think about uh, are there, use, are there uh, kind of customer stories that come out of that as well? Um, you know, how do we get discussions on the actual community around it? Um, so we've we've tended to look at that approach as well, that content should kind of fuel itself. And the more that you can think about these as, um, you know, using it in different ways to kind of meet an advantage, then uh, it's going to be really beneficial for you as an organization to do it. So um, I like that example a lot, Chris, about how you're trying to use that. Um, Brett, maybe over to you. I, I know you had mentioned, I think slightly, uh, that in one of your examples that you're working with right now, that there was some sponsors. And so I'm curious, um, have you seen, you know, different ways to, uh, kind of engage sponsors and having sponsorship opportunities within community trying to, you know, obviously I think with in-person events, we've, uh, a lot of organizations maybe have lost, you know, the revenue, uh, kind of revenue cycle there. So I'm curious if you've seen maybe unique ways or different ways that people are trying to approach, um, you know, yeah. trying to monetize some of the virtual events that they do have. Right. So kind of building on what I said before, we, we made a commitment to try to build as much of it on higher logic versus going and getting another platform that might have the avatars and the, you know, the exhibit space and stuff like that. With the notion of every dollar we got, there would be a, a dollar saved that we didn't have to go spend on something else. So we created virtual homes um, for our sponsors. And really what those were was a, a templated microsite with the community connected underneath it. And so we're essentially trying to replicate a lot of what you see in these virtual exhibit booths, right? You know, their logo, their description, um, ability for them to load uh, videos, ability for them to take their sales collateral and put it into a library. And then because we're putting it in a community on higher logic, and we're making our members log in, we could now report back to them, you know, here's who visited, um, here's who downloaded your resources. And so we built that all kind of within the higher logic infrastructure. Um, and then what we tried to do is take from our annual conference, we used to have bingo cards where people walk around, um, you know, with the cards to the exhibitors and you get the little dot that says you visited, right? And so we took that same approach with the virtual homes. And then at the bottom of our virtual homes, we would have the sponsor give us one sentence that was, repli uh, you know, that their one value proposition. And within that value proposition, we would have an underlined word. And then we would create a game with a form that uh, if you went, you'd go and visit the sponsor, you'd go get that word, come back to the form, drop it into this form, submit the form, and then you'd get uh, eligible for prizes. So trying to replicate something that our folks were used to doing at the annual physical conference but as a way to driving traffic to those virtual homes. So that was successful. We did, had been able to generate for one event like 17000 in revenue, which is not insignificant, right? So now the goal is to produce a lot of $17,000 type events. But where we're struggling and where our focus is and where we might have to break our own rules and go find another platform is, 
We also used to create events that were very high end just for CIOs, where we would bring about 50 CIOs to a resort in California for three couple of days. And our sponsors would spend a lot of money to be at the table. And then we would have reverse trade shows where they would go sit down for 10 minutes with somebody and then move to the next table, right? Well, our sponsors are saying that is the interaction that I want now and I'll pay dearly for. So we're trying to figure out what platform is going to, because we can't do that on higher logic at the moment. So that's the next one we're trying to figure out this kind of high-end speed dating. Um, it's great when you get the executives at the physical event. How do you get them to come to the virtual event, right? And sit in that seat and wait, you know, and do those interactions. What's the incentive to do that? And what's the platform to do it? So we've been successful on one stand, but we have another big challenge ahead of us. Yeah, uh, I think that's the, I think the word you kept using there that sticks out with my mind too is like kind of these personal engagements. You know, how do you, how do you kind of create these personal connections that you were having and um, I always thought about like serendipity as a big thing about, you know, going to an in-person event. There was a lot of serendipity of who you'd meet, you know, you kind of bump into somebody at coffee, you'd meet a random person. Um, so how do you do some of those things? So for our super form this year, we turned it virtual, uh, for two weeks. And one of the things that we had was, uh, a, it's called a random coffee. We actually use it as a company. So, uh, a way to do some speed dating essentially of, meeting people is that uh, you'd get matched up with somebody, you'd have a random coffee, you'd schedule a five or 10 minute meeting, get to know that person, just do some speed networking like that um, around, which was a, a interesting kind of way to kind of bring, hopefully bring back some serendipity that you would be missing from some of the in-person um, events. You know, we, we also had, I think uh, 2,500 people sign up close to 2,700 people sign up for super forum. We we're hosting about 250, 300 people live in sessions. Um, and one thing that we tried to do was um, also make sure that our event was only in the afternoons um, and only for a couple hours a day. We, we kind of spread it over two weeks and that was um, met with both uh, great success. And also I think people didn't appreciate that. I think there were some people that were saying, Hey, I'd rather you just squeeze it into two or three days so I could actually take off or, you know, use time off to kind of focus on that. Um, but I think by and large, what we heard was people appreciated kind of spreading it out over two weeks and not just trying to cram a conference into two or three days um, now that it's gone virtual. So that was another thing that we tried to do this year that um, I felt like was successful. And we were hosting, you know, 300 people in a session uh, for a couple hours a day in the afternoons. Um, and then we'd be similar to what you mentioned, Brett, we had communities kind of underly, under, underlying all of that. So we'd actually drive people back to have discussions in the community, which was um, another kind of saving grace because it wasn't just watching, you know, a virtual event. There was actual discussion that could go on and you could go uh, engage with the attendees or people who were watching that afterwards. Um, so I appreciate that. One last question, uh, Terza, you know, maybe to start with you and then um, we'll move, kick it around to Brett or Chris, but, you know, I think you mentioned having uh, multiple communities, kind of, you've got a ton of stakeholders, you've got different chapter leaders. So how are you trying to kind of wrangle all of them into using the same format or how are you trying to think about, you know, if you're ultimately the community manager at the end of the day, like how are you trying to keep everyone at least aligned to kind of doing similar formats or maybe not even doing similar formats? Maybe, you know, how do you then just, you know, have them all go do different things to figure out innovation uh, in terms of virtual events? I'm curious how you've tried to navigate that this year. Yeah, so this has uh, been a crazy year for me because we have about nine different uh, institutes that really function almost as their own separate organizations. And they usually put on their own conferences and events. They have their own committees. Um, so they they operate separate from our organizational like society level um, 
hierarchy, if you will. And, you know, when everything shut down in March, uh, I was getting bombarded from this institute, that institute, like, how do you support them? And how do you support, you know, their needs? And they're all trying to do something different. And they all have different ideas. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really been a struggle. And since March, we've been trying to accommodate people in the best way they can. And Higher Logic has been great, because it's, something that we already have, right? And it's already integrated with our database and it's the it's the tools that we have available and I can I can get them up going quick. <laughs> like I can set up event registration for you in 30 minutes and <laughs> I'll have a zoom I'll have a Zoom link and registration set up and ready to go. And our institutes that are trying to turn some of these events around quickly, they don't want to go through our conferences department. They don't want to have to fill out the formal like society paperwork because it's going to take them three times longer than it's going to take me to build some of these things out in higher logic. And that's really been good and bad because it's allowed us to innovate and it's allowed us to pivot. But now we're getting to the point as an organization where we're saying, okay, we've been doing this for nine months virtual is not going anywhere. What's the best way to integrate with some of these systems? So what Brett was describing was really great. You know, do you want to run registration within our database and then send them over to the event platform? Like, what does that integration actually look like? I've been a big proponent, at least organizationally, because we have a committee that, um, is basically like our project management group, right? So we've got a person from every different department that's on that group, IT, communications, marketing, membership, everyone's represented. And so I've been a big advocate in that group and saying, you know, it's not, let's start integrating our systems better and let's start using APIs better. Um, and that's something that I think you can do. And, and that's something that Higher Logic has that works really well is these APIs that I can go ahead and take these APIs and dump them back into the database. We don't have to rely on systems that are a poor user experience if we're technically savvy enough to use APIs in the ways that we should be doing it. So to kind of answer your question, like I don't really think we have, I don't think there should be a template or a one-stop shop because there are so many different um, use cases, but we need to be able to provide the best platforms available with the best integration available. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that resonates a lot with me too, where, um, cause I think you're also talking to, you know, not kind of pigeonhole, pigeonholing everyone into the same format. You're, you know, let people kind of explore what's going to work for their audience. How do you um, kind of let them, ex- you know, explore the different types of sessions they can hold? Um, you know, how do you might do breakout rooms or might not? How do you um, hold larger group sessions like this? So I think there's a ton um, that you just mentioned in there. That's, that's really relevant. Awesome. Well, that was great. It's so cool to hear some of the really creative and transformational things people are doing to make virtual events fun, accessible, and successful for their organizations. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely picked up some tips and it's going to be exciting to see how 2021, how things really change. I think we're going to see a lot of hybrid events and some really engaging ideas. Well, that's it for today's show. We'll see you all next time.